Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, church. Doesn't get much better than being in the house of God on Sunday morning. This is my favorite time of the week where we get to open up God's Word. This is great worship. And we're in a series called Called Out. This is a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, please take that Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And last Sunday we started this series. We saw how this church at Corinth started with a group of people who were far from God in a rough city. They were completely lost and pagan, and they were found by the grace of God. And actually, before this church even started, it almost didn't even get off the ground because Paul in Acts chapter 18 had a vision from God where God said, there are many people in this city who are my people. So Paul stayed there another year and a half. He pitched his tent. He started making tents. And he started this church, the church at Corinth. And we saw there their identity was in Jesus. They had all these things going on, and Paul pointed to their identity being in Christ. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what others expect out of you. You have to live in the reality of who you are in Jesus Christ. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, and we've all made mistakes, and we all deal with the consequences of sin, but our past does not define us. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 was the key verse, I think, for this whole book. And if you want to look at that, it says, And because of him, that's God, you were in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now, we're going to be in chapter 2 today, and Paul is going to emphasize another important aspect of our identity in Christ. And really, this one doesn't get really it doesn't really get much bigger than this. It is understanding the place of the Holy Spirit. Understanding the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is essential that the Corinthians understand this, and it's essential that you and I understand this. We hear all these amazing truths, you know, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, we, we hear filled with the fullness of God. And perhaps you're thinking, Wow, David, it sounds so great, but I don't always feel that. I don't always sense that. I don't, I don't always experience that in my lives. Where is that for me? Well, the reality is when we struggle with anxiety, when we struggle with shame in our past, the key to unlocking these promises of God that we find in his word are in this very point, our relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. True wisdom is imparted by the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that throughout every single point in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And really, the interesting thing about this simple truth is the church has neglected it so many times. You go back through church history, it's almost a sad, reoccurring theme that we emphasize almost everything else besides the one simple truth that God clearly points again and again and again in his word. And that is that true wisdom is imparted by the Holy Spirit. We talked about John 4 a few, a few weeks ago where God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You have to have truth from God's word, absolutely, 100%, yes. But the way you receive that is through the indwelling Holy Spirit who works in your heart who reveals things to you as you are studying the truth of God's word. So it's not either or, it's both and. 
It's truth and spirit. And the church can be orthodox, and it can have no power. And when that's the case, the spirit is missing in the lives of those believers. They have not entuned their heart to the indwelling Holy Spirit that is living inside of them. And yeah, if you go through church history, think about all the different things that we have emphasized as in, in church history that have not been just the simple truth of the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for, 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 if you go way back, you know, it's, hey, let's get some knowledge. Let's get education in the pulpit. And that's a good thing, of course. But that's not going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. It is, for some people, well, it's apologetics then. We have to defend the faith. We have to understand all the doubts and the, and the questions that are out there. And we have to give great you know, answers, philosophical answers. And again, that's a good thing. It's a good pursuit. I'm all for apologetics. I love apologetics. But that's not going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit as a church. Then, you know, all right, well, let's get rid of the stuffy formalism. Let's just be attractional. Let's just love people. Let's bring them in. Let's meet them where they're at. Again, a great thing. We should be kind. We should be loving. We should be people that are winsome. And we should show people that we have something that they need that they don't have. Absolutely. But that's not going to bring the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing does that except for a church that just gets back to the basic, simple truth. This is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside me. And I'm going to deliver the message of truth of God's word. So, social justice issues, another one. Uh, what if we just really get concerned about people and really help out in our society and meet the needs of our community? Again, a wonderful thing. Have empathy. That's Christ-like. But it is not the church uh, that finds the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like me when I'm uh, looking for my son's pants before he goes to school. It's 40 degrees, Beckham. You can't wear shorts to, sh shorts to school. We got to find your pants. We're looking in this big pile of laundry. Can't find it. Where is it? Oh, no, we're running late. We're going to miss school. Oh, we're not going to be there on time. You're going to be late again. And then mom, superhero, comes in and just plucks out those shorts right out of the pile. It was right under our noses. But those moms have that ability just to immediately find it. And honestly, when you look at scripture, that's what this is like. We try everything else to the neglect of, let's just focus on having God's Holy Spirit rain down and his power move us and fill us and see what that will do. You see that in Acts chapter 1. Acts 1, 8, the disciples, they had seen Jesus die. They had seen Jesus rise again, but they were huddled up. They weren't really doing anything yet, right? And then in Acts 1, 8, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and things started happening. Peter preaches, Pentecost, the church is born. God starts moving in mighty, powerful, unbelievable ways. So we've already established and in this book, in this called out series of 1 Corinthians, Paul has some problems to address with the church at Corinth. And this is the next problem he's addressing. This lack of understanding, this, this de-emphasis of just simply putting the authority and the power in the Spirit. So let's get in the Word today. We're going to see that for ourselves because this isn't just written to the Corinthians. This is written to the church at Corinth. We're also God's church, so this is true for us today as well. And the first point that we can see about the Holy Spirit that brings power, that is imparted to us, this wisdom that we get by knowing the Holy Spirit, number one, proclaim Christ by the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech 
or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You probably remember from history class that the Greeks were all about that rhetoric. You know what I mean? They loved the eloquent, lofty wisdom of speech. I mean, that's where we get ethos, pathos, and logos. And there's a lot of good value in that body of knowledge. And don't get me wrong, that's great stuff. But Paul is saying here to these Corinthians, hey, I know you love excellent speaking ability. I, love, I know you love that dynamic speaker who gets in there and just like woos you with what he can say in the words he says. And Paul can do that too. Paul's, Paul's the sharpest knife in the drawer. But Paul says, I determined to bring nothing to you but this simple message of the gospel in demonstration through the Holy Spirit's power. He is confessing that he is terrified of lofty speech. He doesn't want it to get in the way of the simple, truthful message of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that the most effective way that we can proclaim Christ in our own lives is through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. It's not going to be guilt. It's not, we're not going to be motivated that way. We're not going to be you know, perfect in what we say and we have, we have to have exactly scripted out the right words. No, it's let's share the truth that is in us and let that come out through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I can relate with, honestly, this whole side of lofty wisdom. I love getting in books and studying theology. It's a great thing. Um, I love listening to other pastors preach. And when I'm preaching a sermon, I like to go listen to a few sermons on the same passage that I'm going to preach. I haven't found a, a lot of uh, solid series on 1 Corinthians yet. I was actually listening to a sermon on this exact chapter just this week. And this guy was getting into some really interesting stuff. It was fascinating. He was talking about how Paul was fighting the Gnosticism uh, in Corinth. You know, this Gnost Greek Gnosticism that was going on and how it goes all the way back, you know, to Plato. And he, this guy didn't like Plato. And he was talking about how Plato was a fake. He was just copying everything from the Hindus. He went to Alexandria and he studied there for 27 months and it was going on and on and on. And I, I ended up, I was like, I was like interested in it. I know you may be bored of that. Like, I love that stuff. But then I, I just stopped and I was like, wait a minute. He's been going on about this for 15 minutes. Isn't this exactly what Paul's saying not to do? We don't need this lofty knowledge, all these extra details that don't, make, don't, don't really have to be there. Just give the simple message of the gospel. Use the Holy Spirit's power. He was doing exactly what Paul said not to do in his sermon on the exact same passage. It's so easy to fall into that trap of like, let's figure this out and let's analyze it from every angle. And there's a time and a place for that. But you can't allow that to replace the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit that lives inside of every true believer. So this is Paul's play. I could have come to you with intellectualism, but verse 2, I decided not to. I decided to come to you with the simple truth of the gospel. So proclaim Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The church can be orthodox with no power, and it's when we miss, verse 4, the demonstration of the Spirit. And in verse 3, Paul says there, 
you know, an honest, humble way to say, what I'm about to do when I preach and proclaim God's word is a big deal. And as a pastor, I take that verse very seriously. May I never get comfortable and, and, and easygoing about what we do when we open up God's word. But this isn't just for pastors. Sure, this is my profession that pays the bills. And you have a different profession, but you're also, you have the same calling. You have the same calling to proclaim the excellencies of our Savior. And you can do that as well through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your mission is the same as mine. It's to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And you do that effectively and consistently and faithfully when you realize it's not just me doing it in my own strength. It's me relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. We're all called to do that. And here is the second way that true wisdom is imparted by the Holy Spirit. Point number two is in verses 6 through 14. It's to discern truth with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is how we, this is how we discern truth. Look at verse 6. Yet among the mature do we impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given to us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Where Paul says mature in verse 6, he is talking about any Christian who has received the Holy Spirit. This isn't just the upper class or the super Christians. This is anyone who has been saved by the grace of God. They put their faith in the death, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they have turned from their sin to him and put their faith in him. Ephesians 1.13 says they are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And this wisdom is not of this age. It's not of the rulers of this age. The wisdom of this age is fleeting and it is changing. It changes all the time. I don't know if you keep up with what's going on out there. You probably do. But it can get really confusing because things change all the time. I mean, I could insert a Pluto joke right here, uh, if, if you know what I mean. And, and you can see the changing nature, even of science, how we're still trying to figure things out. I mean, bloodletting was, was cutting edge for centuries. It killed George Washington from a throat infection. And now we know. Not, not, not a good way to go about medicine. Not a good way at all, right? Uh, there's so many things that change over time. I mean, right now, in our society, uh, we know that females have two X chromosomes. We know that males have an X and a Y chromosome. At the same time, there's still people that are confused and want to say that there's really not a difference. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gets confusing out there. And if people don't understand the truth, 
that is imparted by, imparted by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, they can get off base really easily. That is the world that we live in. Um, it doesn't really matter how you feel or what others expect out of you. You have to know that you, the truth that you realize is from the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's from the indwelling Holy Spirit. Wisdom is a mystery to the unbeliever, but for those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We are become new. The veil is removed. We are changed from being in darkness, being blind, to being children of the day, to seeing the truth that God has revealed to us. In verse 7, he is decreed for our glory. Our glory increases while the world's glory fades. Philippians 3.21 talks about this. It says that he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. We have a lot of gifts given to us by receiving of the Holy Spirit. And you look at verse 9. I mean, I told you how Paul was brilliant. In verse 9 here, he's saying what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God's prepared for those who love him. He's actually alluding to four different passages of scripture from the Old Testament. He's pulling out three passages in Isaiah and one in Jeremiah 3, and he's showing that none of these organs are able to discern spiritual wisdom. They're just not able to do it. And in and of ourselves, we can learn a lot. There's some really smart people out there. Of course there are, but they're going to miss something. They're not going to be able to understand spiritual things that are only spiritually discerned that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our world is, is, is so smart, they're so talented, but there's a disconnect, right? You see that all the time. Uh, we can't expect them, we can't attract them, we can't expect them to believe what we're going to believe. Um, it's really easy to say, hey, you know what, I can, I can blend in, I can fit in, I can, I can kind of cheat on some things and, 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 and de-emphasize a few things and make the gospel message attractive to someone else. But the truth is you're never, ever going to make the church attractional to the lost people when we have some understanding through the Holy Spirit that they don't understand. I mean, I believe that Jesus Christ is going to return one day wearing a white robe dipped in blood with a sword, riding a white horse with a tattoo on his thigh that says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's pretty crazy. And the lost, they don't believe that. And I understand, I understand why they don't believe that. We're never going to connect with them just by drinking the right IPA or listening to Lanny on Spotify. It's just not going to happen that way. It's never going to happen that way. We have the Holy Spirit, and the people who don't know Jesus Christ do not have the Holy Spirit. This is an issue that, that we have to get. They're not going to get us, but it's by God's grace that we understand this truth. So let us, let, us, let us work together to build a culture that says, hey, even though they don't get this, I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to show them grace anyway. If you're like me, you're thinking, well, David, this is, this is rough. I mean, I, I, I want this to be different. I want people to understand the truth. I know. We all do, Right? Um, well, a great starting place is to be kind and loving. That's a great thing that you can do first and foremost with people. Uh, but it doesn't end there, believe me. You have to go further than that. You need to build a bridge of trust that can hold the weight of the truth that you need to give them. And that's when you give them God's word. That's when you pray for them. 
But you have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in their heart as well. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do his convicting work in their heart. We also live in a culture where you can say the statement, you can say the public statement that let us work together to build a culture that cherishes innocent life and let us reaffirm the foundational truth that all children born and unborn are made in the holy image of God. You can say that and then you can receive death stares back. That's the culture that we live in. And I, I'm all for women's rights, absolutely. But I'm also for the rights of the unborn. For the, for the boys and girls that live inside the mother's womb. If people don't understand that, we have to realize why they don't understand that. Yes, I, be, I know un, unsaved people can understand the truth of what, what is going on with abortion, but I also know, I have friends who are saved who have almost had abortions, and they've been right there ready to do it. And I can relate. They, they understand they're not trying to just make a terrible decision. They're trying to do what's best. The lost around us, they don't know God. They're trying to do what they think is best. If they have different views than us, if they take, make different stances than us, it's not because they're just trying to be an evil, horrible person. They're trying, most likely, to do what they think is the best thing to do. But if they don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them, they're not going to be able to always make that decision because they can't always see truth. So can we have grace? Can we realize that Jesus showed us grace and then in, in turn show some grace back to them? We can't just expect the world to think like us. We have to prepare for them to twist the truth. We have to be ready for that. The spiritual person can discern spiritual things. That's the only way that they can be discerned. And uh, in verse 11 there, Paul gives a great illustration of this. Oh, there's no way I can do any better than this illustration. For who knows a person's thoughts except the person that, that person, right? I mean, if, you, if I ran into you on the beach and you were just sitting there, nothing, no book, nothing. You had sunglasses on, I couldn't even read your eyes. I would have no idea what was going on in your head. I had nothing to go on, right? How am I supposed to know what you're thinking about? It's impossible. Only you know what you are thinking about. And when it comes to understanding truth, only God can reveal these truths of God. The Holy Spirit is God, and it takes the Holy Spirit living inside us to reveal the mind of Christ. Praise God that we have this ability. And this is where, this is where we have to take this posture. It's not because I'm smart and I figured it out. It's because God is good and God chose me. It's because, because God loves you. Thank God that he revealed this truth to you. I, I don't have the ability to figure this out. He does, and he did it for me. I'm no longer in darkness. I'm now in light. It's not because I was a good person. It's because of the grace of God. So give the glory back to him. And just like we saw in chapter one, boast in the Lord. True wisdom is imparted by the Holy Spirit. And the third point that we see here is that we need to live with the mind of Christ through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Live with the mind of Christ through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Check, we got that. Paul's really emphasizing that point. If you feel like I keep saying the same thing today, it's because this whole chapter is about that very same thing. There's spiritual people and there's unspiritual people. 
Some people can discern those things of the Spirit because of the Holy Spirit. Other people cannot. All right, verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things. Praise God, that's amazing. We have this ability now. James 1.5 talks about that. We can spiritually discern things, make judgment calls, because we can go to God and understand him. Second half of verse 15, but is himself to be judged by no one. Okay, we'll come back to that. Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. All right, so... Verse 15 is an interesting verse, <laughs> and we're talking about how if you have the Holy Spirit, you can understand the Word of God, and you can apply it, and I had to actually really practice what, I was, what I'm preaching right now when I was studying this passage, because when I read verse 15, I said, wait, what? What's going on here? I, I'm with you, Paul. I'm with you. Like, yes, spiritual things are discerned. Got it. And then he says there, he says there, the second half of verse 15 but is himself to be judged by no one. Is he talking, what, what does he say? Can Christians not judge other Christians? I mean, that kind of seems like it's coming out of left field if you ask me. What's the context of this whole passage? It's the di dichotomy between these two different types of people. People who have the spirit and people who don't have the spirit. Right, that's the context we're in. And actually, Paul goes on in verse 16 to explain what he means by that. He's quoting another verse in Isaiah here in verse 16 to back up what he just said. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And in Isaiah 40 there, this verse that Paul is quoting, he's talking about people who don't know God, who don't understand God. So the no one to judge him in verse 15, is referring to the unspiritual person, the person who does not know God. Again, Paul is making this point. Hey, look, you can understand truth. Praise God you can understand truth. It's all because of him and his glory that you can understand this. We can, we can know the mind of Christ. This is a huge blessing. I don't know where we'd be without it. But there's also people who are going to judge you that don't have the mind of Christ. The lost world is not going to get it, and they're going to still judge you anyway. But you know what? We don't have to worry about that. That's what Paul is saying here. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? It's okay. You shouldn't be judged by anyone else. You should be judged by God. <laughs> you should be judged by the truth that is revealed into his, in, in his word. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you have the mind of Christ. Does not the world point fingers at the church and accuse us of things that they think are horrible, that we know to be true in God's word? And isn't that, isn't that kind of a stumbling block? That's kind of hard to get over that sometimes, right? Uh, there was, you know, when I talked about, like, you can never be so hip as to attract the world. I mean, you're never going to do that. You need to just be yourself. If you're a cool person, great. That's awesome. I, I love having cool people in church. That's wonderful. But the church itself is never going to be as cool or as hip as the world, right? I mean, there's a very, very popular church, famous church. I'm not going to name the name, but there's a lot of famous people in LA that go to this church. And this was just in the news this week. Um, there's an actor, Chris Pratt. He goes to this church and he got called out by another actress in Hollywood because his church, which believe me, it's like probably the hippest church in the world, 
It has all these famous people in it, but they, they pointed out that that church doesn't believe what their homosexual agenda is. And I mean, it was just a perfect example. Like you can never attract the world. There's always gonna be a difference. They're always gonna point a finger. They're always gonna misrepresent something you say. And I'm saying all that to say, we don't need to get discouraged by that. We don't need to fear that. We don't need to get angry at them for that. We need to just understand this is where it's coming from. It's the simple truth that Paul is saying is, hey, they don't have the Holy Spirit. They're not going to be able to understand and look at things the way you look at things. You're going to think differently. And that's, that's nothing to be ashamed of. You're going to think differently. You're going to live differently. And you know what? That's by God's grace. And that's a powerful thing, and it's a wonderful thing. So hopefully, hopefully you can see the call out here. The call out is, this is your identity. Don't think like them. Think with the mind of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have, to, you don't have any ability to make these excuses. You are called out to live with the mind of Christ through the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's by His grace that you don't think the way you used to think. It's by His grace that wisdom is imparted to you. It's by His grace that you don't have to fear and be stressed out when people misunderstand you. We don't. Because God loves us, and He has given us a mission. He's given us the truth. And our job now is to get out there and to just lovingly share that truth with others. If you have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, you are now an insider. You're an insider. That's why the title of this message is, is Insider Wisdom. Insiders who are wise and then everyone else. And my heart is, and our church's heart should be, we want everyone else to have what we have. Let's not just hold it in. Let's just not like get in these holy huddles and like feel good about ourselves and pat ourselves on the back. Let's realize these people out here desperately need what God revealed to me. I was chosen by him, and he gave me his spirit. Praise God for that. Let's share that with the lost and dying world. If you're an insider trader, uh, you're, you're going to be prosecuted for that. Insider trading is not fair. It's using inside uh, confidential information to your advantage to make money on the stock exchange. And that's a big no-no. Big no-no. But if you think about it in this sense, it's almost scandalous to think about how we didn't deserve this knowledge, this wisdom. We didn't deserve this grace. And God sent it through the person of Jesus Christ, and he gives it to us through his Holy Spirit who indwells in us. We now are insiders to the mind of Christ. Unlike chasing the bull on Wall Street, we are exchanging eternal spiritual truths. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to do. It's so amazing to believe that I have wisdom that is not of my own. I have a wisdom to understand things on a deeper spiritual level because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. In closing today, I want to just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit work in your, in your heart and in your mind. I want to give you a few seconds to analyze this because so often we just let 
a list of to-dos from someone else be our checklist for our spiritual reasoning behind things. And we don't give space for the Holy Spirit to convict us and to work in our hearts. But I want you to think, what is some wisdom that God has imparted to me through his Holy Spirit that I understand and the world doesn't understand? Thank God for that. Praise him for that. Give him the glory for that. And then think, how can I, how can I share that? How can I now be called out, be the true ecclesia, the church, that says, I want to give that to someone else. And I know they may not understand me. I know I'm going to say this to them and I might get a blank stare. <laughs> but I'm not going to convince them of anything. The Holy Spirit will convict and convince them. Just, just think about the truth that we have imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. What's something that the Holy Spirit has convicted you of today? I know there's some wicked sin out there and we should have righteous indignation for evil that is in our world. No doubt about it. But God never calls us to hate the sinner and to be angry at that individual. When you see the mind of Christ, you start having sympathy for the lost. Not that we need to be cocky, not that we need to be stuck up with our noses in the air. We need to be grateful that we have the Holy Spirit's wisdom imparted to us. And we need to realize the desperate position of those around us who don't have it. Father in heaven, we're going to praise your name in just a minute. This truth that we see in your word here today is profound. It helps us put things in perspective, Lord. We want to be a church that is on mission for you, that imparts truth, that understands things on a deeper spiritual level. And we realize it's all because of you. Lord, don't let us get cocky. Don't let us get angry. Don't let us be in fear of what others may think and misjudge us. Don't let us fall into any of those pitfalls. Let us glory in you and in tune our hearts to the Holy Spirit, to make those daily decisions to die to self and to tap into the power that lives inside of all of us who know you as our Savior. Let us share the story that we have found to those who are missing it, to those who are living for something that's not what they were created to live for. Let us impart that in a gracious and loving way, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.